This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the besotted social bees up in the brewery. We got it together. Everyone laughed at us. They said that we couldn't actually organise a bees up in the brewery. But we did. In the fullest brewery as well. And uh, if none of you have actually been to one of our events, because we've had about 40, I'll tell a lie, it's only the second one. Um, the idea, as you probably know, is that we decided to take, as Lainey says, take the football out of uh, football and uh, just find places where we can actually have a laugh, um, get Brentford fans together, a number of fans together and anybody, and uh, just basically have a bit of a joke. We'll pull all the entertainment together, we'll pull together the music and the players and the comedians or whatever else we're going to be doing, and you just turn up and drink. So, uh, <laughs> it's really, really simple. So just to let you know, actually, we've actually already got our next event lined up. It's on April the 30th. It's Bank Holiday Sunday, the day after we play Fulham. Yay! We've got a magician. We've got live music. We've got... Yeah, I know. That's right. He's going to get us... He's going to get three points out the bag for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got DJs, we've got Brentford Legends, we've got more and everything like that. And you'll actually be able to buy tickets, probably not now exactly, but if you look in your emails by the time you leave here, there'll actually probably be an email link. And for special, special, very, 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 very early birds, you can get a price of, I don't even know what it is, we haven't even done the budget on it, but... 50 quid. Yeah. <laughs> 20 quid. We'll say 20 quid if you get it for today. We've probably got a few tickets out there for 20 quid and you get hold of them, which is all good. But anyway... Before we do that, I'm just going to say quickly our thank yous, because if anybody listens to the podcast, we do the podcast at the very end, we sort of rush through and go, oh yeah, and we've got to remember, you've got to listen to this, and we're doing all that, it's at the very end, we forget it. So manners, as we say, it's very manners to do it up front. First of all, I want to say thank you to Fullers for, uh, well, you know, allowing us to have their event in the hot cellar, you know. And in the George and Devonshire pub and all that beforehand as well. And all the Fuller's crew who we've been working with for uh, quite a few weeks now. 
been absolutely brilliant, been super, super, super helpful. There's uh, Simon and there's Jonathan and there's Sarah and there's Joanne and there's more people and there's uh, the four, it's not the four degrees, but the four, the special four at the back there at the bar there who's serving us all their drinks and everything like that. They've been absolutely brilliant. So, you know, give them a big cheer and, you know, just say thank you. And, and I want to tell a quick story. I just want to say thank you very much, Phyllis, for because obviously our sort of relationship with them when we started sort of bootlegging their badges and all sorts of stuff like that um, was, was initially, you know, kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, they've come to the table and they said, we said, look, you know, if you can actually just allow us to sort of organise some events and help us out here and we could, you know, sort it out, do a nice little deal and you can give all our Bradford fans lots of beer, then we're all going to be happy. So we're all happy. So thank you very much, Phyllis. <laughs> So, uh, okay, also I want to say thank you very much for Brentford. Also, as you know, afterwards there's going to be a, there's a charity, which is Ball Boys Charity as well, which is a testicular cancer charity as well. So we're going to be have some many prizes for that. So thank you for Bullers for their prizes. Thank you for Brentford Football Club for their prizes. And thank you for Bees Player for their prizes as well, as you'll hear a bit later. We've got some very, very, very good prizes that you can actually get a bit later on. So uh, that's the score. Um, but I want to say that we're here for many reasons, but also the fact that we're going to be in conversation, or now in conversation, with three absolute Brentford legends. And myself and Laney. <laughs> you see, yeah. You notice, you notice how that wine just went down quite quickly there in the corner. <laughs> and uh, myself and Laney are going to be chatting to them for the next hour, hour and a bit and seeing what's going to come out. And hopefully we'll have lots of jokes and laughs and all sorts of nonsense, like, you know what I'm saying? So uh, we welcome questions from the floor as well. We're going to try and get you to ask questions at any time. So Claire is there. She's, like, waving, and she's in the corner there, and she's got a microphone, and she'll try and get it out to you as much as possible. And if you want to say something, just put your hand up or jump up and down, do a roly-poly, or do whatever you have to do. And um, it'll be great. So you just ask the questions. But coming down to what we've got, on my left here, Richard Gadette. Richard Cadet joined Brentford as a record signing in 1988 for £77,500.27 and a half pence. <laughs> he scored 20 goals in 89 matches over two and a bit seasons. He played a big part in some of Brentford's big matches in the late 80s and the early 90s, including the FA Cup quarter-final at Anfield against Liverpool. Some, something, no doubt, we'll be talking about later, Rich, isn't it? <laughs> he also left Brentford to become a cult hero at Falkirk and he retired from the uh, playing professional football in 1998. Richard Cadet. Yeah. I'm going to do this in date order. Carl Hutchins joined Brentford as youth in the late 80s. Signed a professional contract in 1993 for Brentford. Played 162 matches for Brentford in five seasons, scoring seven goals. He <laughs> 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 was a key member of the first team. He <laughs> was a key member of the first team for those five seasons. Also featured a number of Brentford's seminal matches of the 90s, most of which we lost. <laughs> including the playoff defeats to Huddersfield and that horrible Wembley defeat at Crewe. He retired from, mm, he retired from playing fo professional football in 2004, Mr Carl Hutchins. <laughs> Paul Gibbs, 
Started at Norwich, then Scunthorpe, before playing for a number of non-league teams, including Galston and Disc. He was also at Colchester, Torquay and Plymouth, before signing for Brentford in 2000, playing 54 games and scoring three goals. Yay! I must have sat up a hundred times. It's a he left Brentford in 2002 for Barnsley before moving into non-league football. Paul Gibbs, everybody. So let's rock and roll. <laughs> We're going to try and do it as we try and do it in date order, but it's going to come in and out and stuff like that. So chronologically, we're over to Mr Richard Cadet here. Richie started at Wembley, then he went on to Orient Southend. When you're at Southend, 90 games, you scored 49 goals. That's, uh, that's not bad, actually. Two seasons, 49 goals. Um, and then Sheffield United, you know, forget about that. It was, wasn't very good. You want me to talk about Sheffield? Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, so Richie, you, talk, you tell us about that, because obviously, like I said, Southend set you up for your move to Sheffield. I mean, tell me about them early days. Um, no, I went to Sheffield United, and they played a big... Um, <coughs> there was, it, it was crazy because um, it's not like today's football. Today, in today's football, um, if a club comes in for you, it's crazy. Then uh, yeah, you're gone. I was at I was at Southend United and Manchester City offered like two hundred grand for me in nineteen. No, eighty four, which is a lot of money. I was like nineteen at the time. And the chairman at the time was like, no, we're not going to sell you, blah, 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 blah. And it was um, funny enough because we went to, sh we played Man City on a, in a League Cup. It was League Cup at the time. And um, we went, we were there and uh, we were sitting, we were like outside the ground at Main Road at like near about like half 12 in, in the night. We'd like, what's going on there? Why aren't we here? And anyway, we got back, blah, 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 went to South End. And they were like, oh, Man City offered 200 grand for you. And the chairman was like, no, we need 250 grand. And like, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this was like 19 whatever. I think they signed Paul Stewart the night before and they weren't gonna sign me, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he didn't sign me, blah, blah. blah. And um, I went to Sheffield United and I went, and I went sort of like realistically like, I'm like 51 now, and I was like, I went out of spite because I was like upset with the chairman, you know, and I went to Sheffield United, and there you go, and I ended up, and I ended up at Brentford. And to be honest. That all worked out right. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the year, the year, the, my first year at Brentford was fantastic because I thought we had great players. We, we, you know, we had good players, like today, would probably. And I'm not saying this sort of like out of a sort of like, could have been the Premiership. We had good players. We had very good players compared to what I see today in the Premiership. <coughs> they could play. We had a lot of good players who could play. And um, there you go. But there you go. And I, and, I, and I enjoyed my first year at Brentford without a doubt. So it's, I mean, it's interesting, Rich, you say that as well because, you know, I looked at that in your first season at Brentford. You joined Brentford in summer 88, signed by Steve Perryman. Right, so Steve Perryman signed you. I think your debut was Huddersfield at home when we won 1-0. Uh, you joined Gary Blissett up front. And uh, it's interesting because 
Brentford during those days, we talked about that before, we were kind of like in the 80s, like before that we'd come up in the fourth division in effect, yeah. and then through the 80s we were kind of quite rubbish, we hadn't really done anything. Yeah. You joined us at the time where we were starting to become a good team. So all of a sudden a good team was starting to be put together by Steve Perriman, yeah. and you were part of a sort of new revolution. And that 88-89 was a key year for Brentford. I mean, we talk about players like Stanislaus, Feely, Blissett, Roger Joseph, Batesy, Booker, Evans, Millen, Cockrum, Jones, Sinton, Smiley, Sean Butterjee, Tony Parks even, and even T D Dean Holdsworth joined on loan as well. So, I mean, Steve Merriman, how was he a manager for you? How, how, what was he like as a manager for you? I signed, I literally, I signed for Brentford because of Steve Merriman. You know, being at Tottenham and who the player he was, I signed for, I, that's why I signed for Brentford. Um, there was other options. It was a chance for me to get back to London with my family. I had a young family at the time. Uh, I had a daughter and I was expecting another one. And I decided, well, okay, we go back to Brentford. And when I came to Brentford, it was, you know, I saw players. I was like, oh, uh, I'm going to lie to you. Uh, Keith Jones, great player. And um, uh, funny, I we played a pre-season game. And I got the ball, boom, boom, I turned around, I crossed it across the pitch, and I looked around, and I was like, Bliss, Gary Blissett was on the um, edge of the box. I was like, what are you doing there? Like, after the game, I said, what are you doing there? He's like, uh, well, I'm going to vote for a header. I'm like, Bish, get in the box, get in the six-yard box, you'll score goals. And if you, feel, if you look at his record, he scored more goals that season. I said, because I'll beat someone, and I'll cross the box, boom, you'll score it in. And... We had a good, you know, we had a good rapport because I knew he was good in the air. And after yet, and after sort of like a couple of games, it was like, he, boy, he can flick the ball on. Boom. He was great in the air. He was. He was very good, Gary Blessed, but he scored, you know. So it was like, and I look at the team now and I think to myself, oh, my God, that team now today would be fantastic. So obviously there was a feeling when you joined that team that you would have done damage that season. You know, um, I want to say one of the early matches in that season as well, you beat Fulham over two legs. <laughs> two all at their place and then one nil up there at our place and extra time. It was actually the Littlewoods Cup and you actually set up Blissett. You remember that? Yes, I do. Um, it's funny because like, I'm a health and safety advisor at the moment and, and I, I deal with a lot of Fulham supporters and I'm like, Seriously, we used to beat you on a regular basis. We used to beat you regularly. <laughs> He's like, no. no. Well, it's not like football is today. They didn't have the money in the game, you know. So you had an injury, you were struggling. You know, we couldn't replace someone and stuff like that. And um, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest problem we had when when we went to Liverpool and we played Liverpool in the FA Cup. We miss Simon Ratcliffe. You know, I know people go, oh, Simon Ratcliffe, he's, uh, but what he did, he did, he was horrible. He kicked. <laughs> we needed someone in midfield who could kick and be horrible. And that's what he did. You know, and when we went to the court, I was like, ooh, we're going to struggle. Because he's not going to be, there's no one in there who can kick. You know, Jonah was, a, uh, Keith Jones was a good footballer. Alan Cochran was, Alan Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And we struggled. And we did, we struggled. It's funny you should say that, actually. Phil Giles, the director of football, was there. In, and uh, I noticed he's taking notes. He's saying, you need someone in midfield who can <laughs> kick. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. 
Richie says he's now doing consultancy for Brentford and uh, he's putting his invoice into you. <laughs> also, the Blackburn game. Do you remember that one? That Blackburn game was off the, off the scale, wasn't it? It was in the cup and uh, what happens is that we lost the, the second leg 3-1 and then the home match. It's an amazing game. 4-3, you know. Do you remember that? We lost... We lost three when at was it Ewood Park, but we were, we were we were better than them, and I knew we were a better team than them. So when we came back to Griffin Park, like we were like, yeah, we were up for it, and we we beat them in extra time, wasn't it? Extra time we beat them, but we were a better team than them, and and I knew, I mean, it's difficult for you to go, uh, it's difficult for you to understand today, but we had players in that team. In whenever I played, that were good players. You know, you look. You know, we had we had Neil Smiley, we had Andy Sinton on the wing. They were like Andy Sinton was like we used to call him Bionic, Bionic Man <laughs> because he'd get injured on a Tuesday and be fit on a Saturday, <laughs> and that he was he was fantastic. You know, we had good players. In, we had we had me and Bliss up front. We had Keith Jones. And Simon Ratcliffe, we had a good back four. You know, Terry Evans and Keith Millen today. I know, I know you, you, you go, oh, like the premierships, blah, blah, blah. But they were defenders. Like, we did training sessions, and I'm not going to lie, we did training sessions where they would like Keith Millen, Terry Evans, Jamie Bates, whatever. Left back, I can't remember who was left back, uh, Roger Sanderslaus. And they were like, right. So this was the back four. Like, score a goal against them. And it was like, we'd be trained for like two and a half hours and we'd like score about one goal. <laughs> because they were horrible. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Keith Millen and Terry Evans had the um, clothes wire. <laughs> the ball can go, but not you. And, that, and they were proper defenders. They wouldn't give goals away. You know, so we knew at the back we had a good goalkeeper and they brought Graham Benson in. Graham, wasn't it? Graham, yeah. And he's a good goalkeeper. You know, so we knew at the back four we had a solid back four. And we had a good player to midfield. So, Rich, we've yeah. got to talk about that season because your first season you hit the ground running big time. Like I said, you scored goals for Brentford. 17 goals that season before you got injured. You got injured in March, but you scored 17 goals. You're doing really well, but... You know, that season, you know, we, we kind of but didn't quite make it in the league front. Like, we just missed out on the playoffs. But what the big thing about that season was the FA Cup run. And we can't not talk about the FA Cup run because this is the moment that a lot of people in here remember because before that, Brentford were nothing. Brentford weren't doing anything that before that. We were just messing around and we were like, you know, 14th and 7th and 12th and 19th. Then all of a sudden, something started to happen and doesn't matter who you are, where you are. It was a really exciting period for Brentford because, like you said, is that we kind of didn't ex we did we didn't expect to you know we were going to away games expecting to lose and we were going to expecting to finish fifteenth and eighteenth. All of a sudden, you found yourself on a cup run and near the top of the league, and it was a really exciting period. And you were coming in, you were part of that, and I think that's part of the reason why everyone's sort of looking at you and the Blissets and the Holdsworth and all those players around that time because you were seen as a transforming Brentford side. That cup run, Hells Owen 2-0, smashed them up. Peterborough struggled away from home, but 3-2 at home. Um, you and Godfrey scored in that game. Then Walsall, we went there as well. But the big game, the fourth round game against Manchester City, that was the one, though. That was the one at Griffin Park, 12,000 sellout. 
bananas in the crowd from the Man City fans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. And uh, wet day. I mean, ex- describe that day. What was it like when you turned up and what was it saying in the dressing room? What the players were saying? was There was a massive buzz from the terraces on that day and in the pubs and everywhere around that one because that was just like we'd arrived. Yeah, well, I mean... <clears throat> I mean, when we went there, I, like... I turned up and I was like, we're going to beat them. Full stop. I was playing against Brian Gell, ex-Wimbledon and whatever, and I knew he could not control me. He couldn't control me. I knew that because I played against Steve Redman the year before when I was at South End, and I knew they weren't good enough. And I said, we beat them. And I, I, I remember saying to Bliss, no word of a lie, I said to Bliss, Bliss, if I get the ball on the edge of the box, get in the, get in the six-yard box. Mm-hmm. So I put the ball in, you'll score. And like, boom, and he scored. I think Bliss scored, did he score two or one? Two. Was it two? Yeah. And one of them was like, he literally put it yeah. from a six-yard box. So Bliss, if I get the ball, get in the box, I'll put it across, mm-hmm. you'll score. And that was it. We, we, I, know, I know this might, like, but we were a better team than Man City. We were a better team. We had better players. We had better players playing in our team than Man City did. And what three one was we beat them? Three one. We had better players. We had better, like our forwards were better than their forwards. Our defence was better than their defence, and our, we had better players than they did, and that was it. That's why we beat them. And it's the same today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then the, the next round, Blackburn, 2-0, 3,000 Brentford fans went up to Blackburn as well. Um, I mean, that day was just on another, it was on another level, wasn't it? I mean, because in a strange way, I mean, I know that you, you're obviously very focused and you're very determined and you're very... But we didn't really expect to beat them. We just thought, we'll go up there for a bit of a laugh, but it's, a, it's the fifth round of the Cup and it's Blackburn Rovers and, you know. But we went up there and we held them for 80 minutes and then bang, bang, see you later. Dispatched, it was all over. I mean, it was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Well, we'd played them in the League Cup before. And we were better than them away and at home. So I knew we were going to beat them. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being big-headed or whatever. We had good players. You can't be big-headed. <laughs> no, we had, we had good players in our team. You know, front line, midfield. Our midfield was better than theirs. They had Tony Finnegan, we had Keith Jones and Simon Ratcliffe, you know? So, beat Blackburn, came on to the big, the big draw came out, Liverpool in the quarter-final of the FA Cup. Now, that was, I mean, that was just like, see you later. I mean, for Brentford fans, you know, every time FA Cup, we go, yeah, FA Cup third round, and we wait so long, and then pick out, we get Oldham or Altrinham or something like that. <laughs> but finally, we've actually got a big team to play. Now, that was, for us, that was just brilliant. What was the build-up like for that? And what was, you know, what was going on in the camp? What were you saying? What was Steve Perriman saying? What are you guys doing? Because, obviously, this is... Everything had changed. I mean, you weren't playing Torquay or you weren't playing, you know, Oldham. You were playing Liverpool. Now, I, mean, I was gutted. I wanted us to draw Wimbledon. So we'd have beaten Wimbledon. <laughs> we would have beaten Wimbledon. But we, we drew Liverpool. And um, I think the biggest... Uh, we missed Simon Ratcliffe, without a doubt. We missed Simon Ratcliffe, without a doubt. He was the biggest miss we had for that day. And no disrespect to Alan Cochran, but he was not Simon Ratcliffe. So, there you go. But Liverpool, you know, I should have scored. Sorry, I should have scored. Yeah, yeah, we were there. <laughs> I, I should have scored. <laughs> You're right. I should have scored. But Liverpool's class, at the end of the day, took over. 
And, you know, you've got to take care off to them. They were fantastic on that day. Yeah. Um, it, 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 has to, it has to be said that um, that, that quarter-final FA Cup game, Brentford lost, obviously, at Anfield. Um, the very next game that Liverpool played was the uh, Hillsborough semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there, was, there was obviously, you know, mixed, mixed emotions and... Yeah, uh, history history could have been very different if we'd have, if you'd have scored that goal. Cheers, <laughs> mate. So after we lost to Liverpool, basically our season kind of not went downhill from there. But we a couple of days later we lost in the Sherpa Vans Trophy, which was in those days very important to us. We lost to Yeovil, even though we battered we battered them as well. We absolutely smashed them off the park and they beat us one nil. Um, and that was also Andy Sinton's last game as well for, for Brentford. Uh, so we're knocked out by them as well. And But I'm just thinking that it must have all been a, you know, a, a kick in the balls for you. So, But what I'm going to say is that, you know, we've come, we want to talk to you. We're going to come back to you again, Richie, because we're going to talk around the other guys as well now, as well, just to get a little vibe from them. Because we've got a little setup there from Richie and his early days and the contribution that he made to Brentford and not scoring that goal against Liverpool in the FA Cup, which he kind of glossed over. <laughs> He glossed over that, and I'm not sure if we should actually... Go, we're probably going to come back to that a bit later as well, actually, because we, we don't know what's exactly going inside your head when that ball came to your feet, you know, we to talk about that. But listen, I'm going to be going to go in chronological, and we're going to come to Mr Hutchins here on the right-hand side, you know, as he goes through his paperwork. Yeah. That's so, Hutchie. Chelsea. Original. And then Brentford schoolboy. 89, and then you moved up into the youth, as it was, in 91, turned professional in 93, played 144 games, plus 18, and scored seven goals for Brentford. Then you played for Bristol City, and played for Brentford again, and Exeter and Southend and Orient. Like I said, five seasons in the first team. But interestingly, because obviously you've been around for a lot of this time, and I know Richie's been chatting a lot, but you were a youth man, as they say, at the time that Richie was doing a couple of his bits, so you knew what was going on, and you were in the dressing yeah, rooms. And absolutely crapper clean my boots. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbish at cleaning the boots, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so Hutchie wasn't Hutchie wasn't he wasn't scrubbing hard <laughs> enough. What I'm saying, <laughs> you know. So that, but is that is that is that all that stuff that used to go down? I mean, you had to scrub boots and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, we know about that YTS because we hear about it, but we just think, oh, that's just folklore. But really, it's like if you didn't scrub hard enough, you just didn't, you didn't get a game or something. Is that how it worked? Well, I've got to say, it's um, a pleasure being with my old uh, uh, mucker, <laughs> I, I should call him. Um, yeah, no, totally. I think, as a, as a, like, being with Richie, I haven't seen him for a good 10, 15 years, but I did used to do his boots, and um, I was pretty crap at them, but... <laughs> But I will say, um, growing up at Brentford as a youth team player was probably set me up for my life, not really even as a professional football player, but having these guys above me, him, um, Terry Evans, uh, Jonesy, was the biggest moaner I've ever had in 13 years of playing professional football. But for two years, you know, literally cleaning the toilets, cleaning the, scrubbing the floors, cleaning the boots, not going home till 8 o'clock at night, I know the kids these days don't do it, and people say, no, they sh you know, there's an argument or whatever, but I just think for my life, that set me up. So um, I'm blessed that he did scream at me every day. So, I mean, you made your debut against... Um, 
I'm sure it was Exeter that you made your debut and we won 2 1 in that game as well. Um, like I said to you before, you're a youth team player, and the funny thing about it is, well, and we've said this before because we talk a lot about the bond between uh, the players and the fans back in the day compared to now, which can be a little bit sterile. I know the clubs put these marketing things into place to try and get the fans loving, you know, the club and stuff, but back in the day, I mean, you used to stand with us on the terraces, and we, and we used to look around and say, oh, that Hutch character, he's in the youth team, and you'd be just standing there with all your mates on the new road with us cheering on Brentford, which was, which was wicked. And then as time went on, you got older, then you would be, you know, we'd just see you in different places. And the players and the fans actually created a, a, a real bond, didn't they? Yeah, I think, um, you know, growing up again in the youth team was amazing for me. Um, the manager used to say to us, we've got to spread ourselves around the, uh, around the ground. And if the ball goes over, you know, you, got to just, you, you was in there really to do a job. Because obviously if the ball got kicked over the stand... 60 quid a ball or whatever, the club wanted it back. <laughs> um, but I never used to run out and get the ball. I'd be standing in the stands too busy singing and that. So, um, and I remember as a, in, in the youth team, I remember um, one of my biggest experiences, which really probably bled the kind of like bees kind of uh, blood in, in me, was away uh, to Peterborough on the, was it the playoffs. Or, no, we had to win. Yeah, 92, we had to win to get promoted. And... Um, uh, I think the manager, I, I travelled a couple of times with the first team at the time, so the manager, Older. yeah, he asked me if I wanted to go along. Um, but I got on the, I got on the fans bus uh, by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and ended up with all the fans in the terraces behind the goal. And remember, that when the goal went in, I think we had to win, we won 1-0 or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, when that goal went in, I just remember absolute mayhem behind the goal. And um, I got absolutely crushed. I made my way back to the stadium. All the, all, all the players were getting promoted to the fans. I'll never ever forget Phil Holder picked me out. He saw me in the fans singing and jumping and jumping around, thinking, what the hell is he doing down there? <laughs> and um, he picked me out and he, he, he pulled me up and he called me out and I got pulled over the stands up to the top where all the boys were, all, all, all the guys. I hadn't played a game at the time, but I'll never ever forget him saying to me, um, you know, if you want this, you know, if you want, if you want to be like these boys, then you've got to keep working hard. I'll never ever forget that day. So, yeah. That promotion day was amazing. I mean, and you're talking about that. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you talk about that promotion day as well. But, I mean, you must also have been at a club where you missed this, the, the Richie's time there, the FA Cup run against Liverpool. I don't know, the, the, the playoff loss against Tranmere. The um, Peterborough's real Anglo-Italian Cup in 93, 92 as well. Um, and the relegation year as well. Um, I mean, you must have sort of, you know, when we got relegated off, we went as well. You must have been part of that whole setup, and um, it's interesting to see what it was like because you weren't in there, but you were still in there. Yeah, I remember sort of like um, at the time we got promoted, which was great, and uh, you know the club was on an amazing high. There was a few changeovers. I think um, Shane Wesley came in, and uh, and I remember watching um, from the stands because I was a second-year apprentice then. Um, in the in the year we was actually in the championship or the old championship, wherever it was then, uh, yeah. And um, and that season just went really poorly, and we just seemed to go, you know, started off okay, and then uh, by the end, obviously, we got relegated. So it was like we was up one season. I was due to get my pro contract, so I was like willing us to stay in the in the, in the league because I was like, right, if I can make it pro, then obviously you come in as a pro in into the championship. So you're thinking like, you know, yeah, second division, the old second division. You're one step away from being at the, the, the division that you love, you know, that you, you've dreamed of playing in. And then, um, unfortunately, yeah, we, we, we got relegated that season. 
think it was. <laughs> Richie, what was you doing? <laughs> he's gone, he's gone, he's got sold. He's That's why. He's having fun in Scotland. <laughs> That's why. So, I mean, you came in, and like I said, you're a youth team player. You saw the team that was built from Perriman, which is like Richie and them boys there, you know what I'm saying? And then Perriman left, which we may talk about a little bit later. He resigned, handed it over to Noddy Holder, or Phil Holder, as he was. And then that came through to Dave Webb. So you saw the ups and downs of transformations. And uh, again, the argument to say, I mean, Richie was there at one crest, and then you at the crest of another Brentford wave, of Brentford kind of getting better in their game, you know, um, technically should have been a, or should be a, 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 as we are now, an established sort of kind of championship or second division team. You know, you were, you were, at, you were at the sort of the real crust of that, weren't you? I mean, 93-94 was your first season. The squad included, like I said, Batesy, Wesley, Joe Allen, <laughs> character, um, Benstead, Marcus Gale, St Stevenson, um, Brian Statham, Billy Manuel, um, Smith, Paul Buckle. It was almost like the, the start of a new Brentford revolution because we got relegated. So when we got relegated out of the championship or division two as it was, so we got relegated out of that. We were back down in the division we were before and this was like the post-championship winning side. So they started to build up a new side again. And that was when you were just, you were bought in, weren't you? Because all of a sudden it's like, Dave Webb went, right, mate, you know, Howard was out, right, you're in now, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, I got offered my uh, pro contract um, from Phil Holder, actually. And I got offered, I don't know, it was about 50 quid a week. <laughs> and I remember he that got, much? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I remember he got, he, he got the sack and uh, during, um, pre-season or just before this new season was about to start and it was announced that uh, Dave Webb was taking over no one knew who he was or kn knew what <laughs> um, knew what was going on but um, I remember the manager my, my youth team manager at the time called me up and he said uh, Joe Gaston fantastic guy brilliant uh, youth, youth coach absolutely amazing um, called me up and he said right Carl he said um, uh, the new manager's taken over you've got to go in and ask for a new contract and I was thinking, ask for a new contract. I'm like 18 years old. He said, like, you, got to, you can't take 50 quid a week. That's like, you know, no, no, it's, it's nowhere near good enough. So I remember going in and uh, speaking to uh, Dave Webb, seeing him, meeting him for the first time. He said, right, come in, son. Um, right, what do you want? And I was like, uh, I need more money. That's not going to cover my bus fare. And, uh, and he was like, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 125 quid a week. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm over the moon here. This is, like, amazing. <laughs> and... Um, I'll never forget, that pre-season, I had the worst pre-season ever. It, I was shocking. I wasn't worth 30 quid a week, right? And it, every game, every day, I was so nervous going in. I was like, just, just uh, every day, I'd leave my house thinking, I don't, I don't even want to train today. I was so nervous. And then something happened the week before the season started. And what it was, I think, I listened to, I wasn't playing in the game, but I listened to what the manager was saying to one of the um, one of the players that was playing that was due to start the, uh, the beginning of the season. And he was saying, like, he was talking to the player in my position, saying, like, I want you to tackle, I want you to do this, I just want you to get the ball and hook it on, and blah, 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 and this is all he was saying. And I just listened to that, and the following game, pre-season, we had a game on the Tuesday, and he rested all the team that was going to start for the game that was starting on the Saturday. And I went in, I played centre midfield, and I just done exactly what I heard him saying to, um, I can't remember it was, uh, might have been Paul Buckle because um, he played in the same position as me and I remember and I had I, I hadn't shown up the whole of pre-season and that game I had the best game I probably ever had in my life and on Saturday against Exeter the first game of the season 
couldn't believe it. Turned up, just thought, right, okay, just go in. I'm going to be in the stands with, like, you know, the rest of my mates who were all sort of, like, 18, 19. And my name got read out on the team sheet. My jaw nearly hit the ground. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I ran to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. So, um, so you know, um, for all of, I know the fans, wise, might not like Dave Webb and all of that side of things, but I've got to say, you know, he did give me a, he, he kind of gave me a good start in the game. So, uh, yeah. He gave you a good start. I mean, you, you, you basically went with Dave Webb. I mean, you rode with Dave Webb for, for a lot of your career, to be honest, you didn't you? Um, well, I stayed there with obviously with Webby whilst he was in charge of Brentford and uh, and and stuff. And then after that, I went over to Bristol City, and then I came back to Brentford for a little while, um, which was great. But um, I think there was a period in my time when I needed to get back to London, and Brentford um, the second time round um, didn't want to sign me, and Webby was at Southend at the time, so I was and and he called me up. I went to QPR for a little while. Uh, <laughs> Chain. Only, only chained, only chained, had to stay fit. <laughs> and then Webby called me up and I went down to South End, so I didn't sign for QPR. <laughs> We're talking about that, that, your first season, and we're laughing as well because uh, we went out the League Cup in the first round and the FA Cup in the second round, which is uh, nothing. We're just used to that, isn't it? It's like, it's like sort of 20 odd years later, it's still exactly the same. You know? <laughs> still the same, you know. Um, but. That, it wasn't great, but you went 11 games unbeaten away from home in January 94. Then, then you know, and the record matches, 15 match unbeaten run that season. Then we went 16 matches without a win. Some things don't change. And then, um, like I said to you, but, you, you know, we talked about the Webby thing, you know, but that season we did not all right, but it was the following season. And we've got to talk about that. Just like Richie had his FA Cup season, it was the following season, 94. So it's almost like that 93 was your, like, let's get embedded in, let's see how it goes, Brentford did all right. 94, that was the one. That was almost like the rebuilding of Brentford. And I know Richie talked about the fact that them players are wicked and they, 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 they would have been in, 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 the, in, in the championship now and doing very well. But that team there, I was looking back at it and doing the research and everything like that, we were wicked that year. We finished second in that year. We signed Nicky Forster, 200 grand from Gillingham, Carla Saba from Dulwich Hamlet for nothing. And uh, we had Radcliffe. We had... <laughs> it's funny, I didn't notice this. Do you remember, does anyone remember Alan Judge? <laughs> no, not that one. We had a goalkeeper called... Goalkeeper, Alan Judge. Um, we had Wesley, we had Ashby, we had Bates, we had Bobby Booker, we had Dennis Bailey, um, McGee Smith, Hurdle... Granger, Statham, Anon, Denny Mundy, Forster, Stevenson, Asaba. I mean, we had a team out there as well. Um, we went out in the first round, and we second round of the League Cup we lost as well, which is nothing new again. But, you know, Forster was the top goal scorer, 26 goals. But the opening game, we won 5-1 away to Plymouth. Smashed them, first game of the season. Now, to me, it seems like it was a sign of a tent. For you guys, did you think, listen, we're here, our team is here now, we're going to actually smash this league up? Is that what you thought? Um, you know, I, I remember that the start of that season, it was, a bit, it was a bit weird because we had loads of players coming in and going out and it was, a, it was a quite a little bit of a choppy um, change over time. And I, I think, uh, you know, 
Webby had a very good eye for bringing in sort of like lower league non-player type players and um, and just throwing them straight into it and, 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 you know, some of them would swim and some of them would sink and he, he didn't feel any way to sort of like bring a player in, grab them from non-league, sign them on a two-year contract and within three weeks say, you know what, I've made a mistake, you're gone. And that was, that was sort of like Webby over and over, which is why all the players were always sort of like, going, oh, shit, you know, he's, he's going to sack me any minute. A one well, a story, actually, uh, he sacked the whole team one time on, on, at, ha- at half-time. <laughs> Everybody, we was all sacked. And on the Monday, we had to come in and get our papers, and um, he gave us all the letter, and he said, right, you're all sacked. And then on a Tuesday, we got called up by the club secretary. One by one, we all had to come in and see him. <laughs> Unbelievable character. I know he's a madman when we went round his house with that. Um, we, we, had a, we had a truck because he was, um, he was, he was he's basically still running from Brentford, so we went out with a big truck around to his house in South End, and he came running out telling him he was going to get the craze after us. But we, yeah, yeah, we, we, we lived to tell the tale, actually. The craze were, uh, I think they were in jail at the time, so they, they were a bit busy. <laughs> but listen, that season was a bit like I said, up and down, but a, a key match. Seven again that season we were like smashing people up left, right, and centre. Seven nil home win against Plymouth, and I remember that at the time because I was like, I can't be bothered to go that. So I actually went Christmas shopping. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, <laughs> absolutely loyal. Um, I think I think bringing in um, the likes of Nicky Forrester, who was um, you know absolutely pace was unbelievable up front. Um, it gave us something different. I think, um, you know, Webby just wanted us to get it up to him as quickly as we could so we could just use his pace. And all over the pitch, we started winning games and we just felt more and more confident. And we had a little bit of everything all over the pitch. We had the likes of Brian Statham, who could tackle for fun. Um, you know, we still had the likes of Batesy in there, who had that experience. Me as a young player, really, I'd just do whatever anyone told me to do. I'd be like, yeah, head it, right, OK. Kick it, OK, no problem. Um, you know, and it, and, and it was a really good feeling within the squad. A lot of young players were all coming through. There was no egos. There was no... Everyone knew we was all on, like, 100 quid a week, 100 quid each. So no one was sort of, like, driving in in big cars or anything like that. And we was all just really focused on the same goal, I think, which was, which was key. And they say, that again, that season, I mean, no one was, but they were focused on it. But that side was like, you know, they were on the money. There were results. And when you look at results about how many goals you score and, and the results you were getting, you know, obviously we talked about Plymouth 7-0. We beat uh, Cambridge 6-0, right, in which agent Billy Manuel, who was meant to be here tonight, but obviously he probably thought, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I've got rumble, but better not turn up, like, you know. But he, uh, he got sent off in the 53rd minute. It was nil all at that. And the rest is history. We won 6-0 after that. Um, we beat Plymouth 5-1 and we beat them 7-0. We beat Bradford 4-3. We beat Chester 4-1. We lost to Wickham 4-3. You know, so we were scoring goals. We scored 81 goals, and we let in 39. And uh, Crew, they finished third, and they let in they let in 68. Huddersfield let in 59 in sixth place. So you know, we scored. Eight. So it kind of gives you a, a vibe as to where we were that season. I mean, we were like properly on the money. We went an 11 match and beaten run. Promotion was looking a dead cert, except for the fact that the league only had one promotion place that season. It was a killer. Yeah, I remember that season clearly because the whole season we were—I think most of the time we was top as well. We were, I think we was top right the way to the end, and it's the only—I think that's the introduction of the Premiership, 
and it was the only um, time ever in the history of the bloody world where only one team got promoted and all the rest went into the, into the, um, into the playoffs. And uh, I remember, you know, we were absolutely flying and I think we had to go to Bristol Rovers or somewhere away on the last, ga- last game of the season, wherever it was, and, and we needed to win that game. Yeah, and it was before that. It was before that. The, killer, sorry, the killer, you might remember that. It was on, it's even before that, in the middle of April, we played Chester. They were already, re- they were gone. They were relegated and we should have won that match. We drew one all, so we dropped the points there. Then the next one was the killer, the key match, was the Birmingham City away game, which I, I still don't think that I've ever been to a game with such a hostile atmosphere as going to that one. 25,000 people going to St Andrews, and you went inside there, and it was like people had been taking some stuff. They foam from the side of their mouths and everything. Absolutely rabid they were, and we were like, I think we were down the bottom, and they were on top of us, yeah, the yeah. side of us, and they were like... Rah, rah. You know what I'm saying? It was just absolutely crazy. You remember that game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean some, for, for me as a young kid, really, going into these stadiums um, really opened up my eyes because, you know, as a, as a young player, you always want to play in front of the biggest crowds and stuff like that. And Birmingham at the time were probably the biggest team in our league, you know, and, uh, and um, uh, you hear about the crowds and, you know, away from home, they come down to us and they're sort of like jumping and going crazy or whatever. So going to their stand and that, all of a sudden you're walking out and you're looking around. For me, it was only my second season. So I'm looking around, I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. You know, the crowd's going crazy. And that for you guys as fans, God, I don't know, you know, yeah, yeah, you must have been getting sort of like, you know, abused in, in, in some sort of way. But, um, you know, on the pitch, really, I suppose, uh, it just, it, I suppose we got, just didn't, didn't perform on the day, you know. It just, just wasn't, wasn't what we wanted on the day, really. And then we, and then we lost to Bournemouth 2-1. And then the last game of the season is Bristol Rovers, as you said. Yeah, yeah. And it was a two-all draw, and that was it. And uh, Birmingham City went up. But I'm going to tell you, actually, I've got to just quickly tell you a story as well, because I tried, you did obviously did your part, you were on the pitch, and uh, you did the business. I actually tried to do my part as well to try and get Brentford up. So at that time, because we were flying, we were like, all properly on the money. We were there. End of story. And, um, the yeah, it was the banjo. Ah, oh, music. Yeah. Everyone start dancing. <laughs> Everyone start dancing, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, but... Um, it was, a, it was that same season, and uh, we basically fluffed it, because if we'd beaten Birmingham, then we would have been the ascendancy, we would have been above them. And we could, but it was, out of, it was almost like out of our hands then. And I remember, actually, that um, the following game, Birmingham City were playing Bradford City on a Tuesday night, it was, and we didn't have a game that day, I think, because they had a spare game, probably a cup game, so they played Bradford City. And I thought, right, well, Bradford, and they weren't doing very well. Bradford were quite rubbish at the time. But I thought, if Bradford beat Birmingham, right, we could be back in the game, right, because they need to beat them. And I remember the Bradford, I think, manager, assistant manager was Chris Kamara. He used to play for us. And I used to work for a record label at that time. So I actually, basically, I went inside there and I, and I went to the, the storeroom and I basically got out about 50 albums, right? And I stuffed them in about six or seven envelopes to Chris Kamara. And, you know, and I posted them up to him and I said, Chris Kamara, hello, my name's Billy, I'm a Bradford fan and you don't know me, but you're playing Bradford City and you need to beat them. So if you beat them, can you give all your players an album, please? You know what I'm so I posted all these albums. <laughs> bribery. So anyway, I thought brilliant. So I listened to it on the radio, I remember, and it's like, uh, really tight, but it was nil all, Bradford's nil, Brentford nil. And it was no, Bradford nil, Birmingham nil. So it was a nil all game, and I was like, oh, it was quite good for us, but not the best, but it's all right. Anyway, I was sitting at work, and then about two days later, I had phone rings. Hello, Billy. It's Chris Kamara here. Yeah? <laughs> oh, hello, mate. How are you doing? He goes, 
yeah, well, thanks very much for the albums you sent up, but we didn't win, so uh, shall I send them back to you? <laughs> I, I was like, I'm like, uh, that's right, Chris, you just give them to him. So after that, we, sort of, we gave him back to them, and we actually sort of became sort of quite good friends, and he used to meet him, and he took me to playoff finals, and I'd meet up with him all the time. But it was just a bit of a weird scenario. It's, it's quite a funny scenario. The, the bribery, that almost worked, but didn't quite work there, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, t- I tried my part. <laughs> so anyway, so listen, that was it. That season, we ended up finishing second. We resigned to the playoffs, and we just have to talk about this. It's a painful moment as we did. We played Huddersfield, who were managed by a young Neil Warnock as well, and uh, drew one all at our place. Uh, they, sorry, at their place as well. Uh, do you remember that? I mean, you've got, to talk to, you've got to talk about that game as well because we should have won that one, remember? Bob Taylor. Yeah, I think um, we're all over them, I believe, at, at their place. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and we was confident as well because we played against them in the, in the, in, during the league and we'd done well. I think they had um, was it Andy Booth up front for them who was their, who was their, main, their main striker who had done really, really well. Scored loads of goals that season, and we knew really, you know, if we could keep him under control, then we'd be fine. And Batesy was sort of like, you know, I'll have him, don't worry about it. Um, so we were really confident. And then even at our place, when we got back at ours, I thought, for, in my eyes, you know, I, I was watching that one from the bench because I, I was I, I was on the bench for that game, and um, you know, I was watching, and it was we we kept going at goal, going at goal. We couldn't score. Um, and I just remember going into penalties and I was like, oh, Batesy, do not put your arm up for a penalty. <laughs> was he terrible? I mean, was he, in practice, was he a terrible penalty, tell you? He just, he never, ever took penalties. He's a centre-off and he never had any techers. Like, he was great at heading the ball. He was fantastic at doing what he'd done. Absolutely kicking the ball and heading it. Do, but even in penalties, he'd say, oh, I'm crap at penalties, I'm crap at penalties. But whenever there was a penalty competition or anything, he'd always put his arm up. And you'd be like, no, don't let him take one. Just say like, you know, so some people say, yeah, but at least he put his arm up. At least he wanted to go for it. But at some stage, you've got to say to someone, no, but you, you're rubbish at penalties. So just, although you want to go for it, you're not having one, you know? And we missed that on uh, that season. We didn't go up, finished second. But the one thing I'll say to you is, I mean, I mean, we had lots of very good sides, but that was a very, very good Brentford team who probably would have sat well in the division higher, which is the championship or division two at the time. Probably even better. I mean, I know Dean Holdworth scored 40 goals in a season, but probably even better than the team that went up beforehand as well. They might have actually be able to hold their own. And I look at that moment, I sort of think that was a moment lost because after that, kind of things sort of just kind of disintegrated a bit, didn't they? Yeah, it's funny you say that, actually, because... In the, in, the, in the five years that I was there, I think there, we had that team and I think the following year, um, or within that three-year period, we had a team, I think, like Richard says when he played, um, you know, they had a team. I think we had a team where every position that you look at, we were really strong in, um, in all positions. And if we just got promoted and got that, you know, if you look at the team when we got to Wembley, if I'm not fast-forwarding too, too much... When we got to Wembley, if you look at that team and you look at the individual players that left the team that season, from you know Nicky Foster, Carlos Saba, um, uh, Rob Taylor, Marcus Bent, you know Brian Statham, Barry Ashby, they all went on to play in the Championship, you know. So, and 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 beyond, some of them played in the Premiership for a long time. Martin Granger, 
great left back. Should have played for England in my eyes. Um, you know, but that's that's like seven, eight players who all went on, all played good, uh, good Premiership or good, good um, Championship football. And there's no reason why, you know, if that if we could have kept that team together and got promoted, we we could have had a good, good life in the uh, at least the Championship. So we're going to move things on again, and we're just going. We'll come back to all of this lot, but we just everyone's had their little say. Chronologically, we're moving on now to the Gibbo era. Well. Paul Gibbs, he's waited a long time for his moment here. Um, Paul, Paul, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to say, right, Paul Gibbs wasn't with Brentford for that long, right? But in, in, a, in a very short space of time, he really endeared himself to the fans. So much so, and I, I honestly say this, you know, it's not many players that we can invite down here that was only here for a couple of years that I can hand on my heart say he is a Brentford legend. Um, he, as I said, he endeared himself in, in many ways. He was a big personality. Um, I'm looking, really looking forward to hearing his stories tonight. But, but Gibbo was part of a, what, was, what is a remarkable, remarkable Brentford team. If I run through a few of these names, and you, you just imagine what they're worth in today's game. Gavin Marn, Eva Ingemarsson, Martin Rowlands, Lloyd Awusu, Scott Partridge, Darren Powell, Ijah Anderson, Danny Boxall, the best fullback in history, Steve Sidwell, Stephen Sidwell, still going strong, Be Big Ben Burgess, and Oli Gostautskan. These, these, these players, these players were, and, and Stephen Hunt, Stephen Hunt, I mean, you know, these players are just like, you know, they've only just retired, you know. They, they, they've, they've, been they've been playing at the top flight for all this time. So, Gibbo, um, he's, got a, he's got a place in all our hearts, and I'm, I welcome him back to Brentford tonight. So, Gibbo, you joined Brentford at a very exciting time, but you should, have, you should have joined us a year earlier. Can you talk us through the club's first approach for you and why it didn't work out? Hey, guys. Am, am I allowed to swear tonight or not? Yeah. Good, okay. Um, right, I fucked up. I'm not <laughs> Basically what happened, um, Scott Partridge, very good friend of mine, um, when I was at Torquay, and I played uh, that infamous game you guys will remember when I played for Plymouth, and I smashed Lloydie in the hate corner and got sent off. Um, Ron Nodes made a call to Scott Partridge, said, I want that boy. So... Um, I then went a little bit crazy. I was a hundred grand fee, job done. I then started going crazy on my credit cards. 30 grand here, taking all the lads away. I booked seven of the, of, of the Torquay boys to go for, with, with me to go on holiday. I bust my fucking leg and they all went on holiday. <laughs> so that's, that's what happened. I, 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 I spoke to my manager, Kevin Hodges, who was, I was great friends with. And I said, Hodger, you're going to get a bid in for me, 100 grand. He went, from who? <laughs> and I said, Nodes, Ron Nodes. I said, Scott Partridge. I said, you know, you've got to accept it. He went, I'll accept it, not a problem. Um, he said, just come up to Carlisle. We've got two games left. Come up, play the last two games. Say goodbye, everyone, and bugger off. You deserve your move. So I went, great. I went up there, didn't play the first game, had a few beers with the boys, turned up for the second game. I was giving it the Olays the last first 10, 15 minutes. And it's the infamous game where um, Carlisle, Jimmy Glass, scored the winning goal for Carlisle to stay in the league. That was me laying on, my, on the floor with my leg facing upwards. 
because some twat decided to smash my leg into about 28 pieces. So, unfortunately, that move never happened um, that year. But, to be fair to Johnny Griff, who is the best scout in the world, because he found me, um, <laughs> and quite a lot of other good players as well, um, he, he said to me, don't worry about it, mate. He said, I'll watch you when you're back, and if you're good enough, fit enough and strong enough, I'll come and get you. And to be fair, he was good to his word, and the following season I signed and saved Brentford 100 grand, which was great. <laughs> so it's, um, it's good to hear the, 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 the potential move didn't go to your head. And, uh, have, you, have, you, have, you paid, have you paid the uh, credit card bill off yet? Yeah, I had to sell my house to talk it. <laughs> oh, right. So, you know, Ron Nodes is what we all call a, a proper character. Um, what did you make of the white-haired Monty Burns... Me, me and Ron, we had a, a very much of a love-hate relationship. Um, I loved him when he signed me, and he doubled my money from Plymouth, which was fantastic. Um, but, but then he, he he's, he's a businessman. Now, Ron, in football, I'm a footballer, and, and I was very much, as you can probably tell, I pretty much ran the change room with the lads. I was very vocal. If something weren't going right, I'd tell them. And, and it didn't matter who they were whether I joined the club or not, and there were some big characters in my, in, in my era, very big. And uh, we called it the dark side. Darren Powell, you know, Iger, you know, all of the brothers would all sit in a corner. And, you know, it was, it was the, dark, the dark side. But I weren't scared of them. I'd go in there and, you know, I'd give them what for. But to be fair, they respected me, I respected them. Brilliant, first-class lads. But... Ron, Ron was a businessman. He saw it as money. He didn't see us as, as players. He saw us as money. Um, but I, I sat down. We had an issue with, uh, with the, when we first joined where Ron was looking to move players on and we, we came away from the nice training ground. He gave us a shithole to train on and it was awful. But, you know, and I, we, we pulled a meeting with him and I just said, like, you know, why are you treating us like this? He said, because you're all shit. <laughs> and I went, what, what all of us? I said some good players here, but no, he, yeah, he, he, but he was it. But on the flip side, Ron helped me massively as well. You know, I, I, we got, we got, I got a, a ten grand a year sign on fee, which was fantastic. But I'd spent two of them up front <laughs> paying off my credit cards. But I asked him for my third year sign on on fee a year early because I wanted to buy a house, and um, and Ron sat me down. And he said, "You'll never make money in London." <laughs> He was so wrong. If he was still here now, I'd love to tell him. But, um, but no, he, he, he advanced me 10 grand so I could put some money down on, on a house. He sat me down and he, he, he was really, he was fantastic. He would talk to me about where to buy, who I should buy with, and an absolute gent of a guy. And, and I know a lot of the fans didn't like him because he didn't see football as football. He saw it as a business. But for me, I, I respected that guy so much because... He, he knew what he was talking about, and he had the respect of every single player. He bought very well, and he sold very well, and he made Brentford a lot of money. Well, he left us in an awful lot of debt, but there you go. Um, <clears throat> um, so, so you know, so Ron knows he, he he dabbled with management himself, um, but. He also allowed future England assistant manager Ray Lewington and um, Terry Bullivant to, to, to then get involved. So 
how did how did Ray Lewington move things on? How how did proper management and, and proper structure help Brentford become a better team? Um, I, I was Ray Lew, Ray Lew and Terry Bullivan were absolutely magnificent. Um, where we trained down in um, Godston, um, it was the Godston House where Ron could see us from the top windows. <laughs> And he'd look out, and we could see his little stealth head, just kind of like this white wig looking at you. And Ray Lou, and, and we were all doing our training, and all of a sudden, this, this suit would come down and throw about 30 fucks into everybody. And, and you could see the lads just shrinking, and Ray, Ray was just like that. Um, but then Ray would pick us up. Terry Bullivan was absolutely amazing. For his, his coaching skills... And the way he would he would develop us individually, not not only as a team but individually, build us up as, as characters. Uh, and Ray Lewington was the arm around the shoulder. But I have I think in all my times I we I mean we one person you missed off there was Mark uh, Mark McCammon, um, and Mark McCammon six foot four, built like a brick shit house. And I I swear to God, hey Ray Lew has not killed that man. I'll never know. Um, I've, I've actually seen Ray Lou bite his lips so badly, he was spitting blood in Mark McCammon's face this far away from him at Peterborough away. Phenomenal. And I was sat right next to him and laughing. Because he was shit. <laughs> Supermarket trolley. Exactly. He, he was, you know, we, we have a song for Mark McCammon. Do we, should we sing it now? Super. Supermark, super, supermark, super, supermark, supermarket trolley. We used to call him supermarket trolley because you, he would try and go that way, but he ended up going that way, and he, he had a he had a wonky leg, and he. And uh, well, I think we're always scarred from that miss at QPR where it was he just headed it down and it just went over the bar. It was so awful. Yeah, well, not you don't not head it at your feet. You know, it's supposed to be uh, supposed to be angled. It's not like <laughs> anyway, supermarket trolley. Um, in 2001, Gibbo scored twice from the penalty spot in a 5-1 win over Berry. So two goals in one game. How come you only ever scored three goals for Brentford? <laughs> Just uh, Lord of Woosie made his move because of me. Simple. End of. That's it. Um, now, I, I, my, my job wasn't to score the goals. I, I was a set-piece taker. Like, 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 I love to set goals up. I love to take free kicks corners. I, I love to be a provider. You know, I was a left winger, um, stroke left wing back, stroke left back, wherever, wherever they'd play me. Um, but my job was to get the ball in and deliver to the boys. Ben Burgess, you know, abs- Ben Burgess and Lord Awusu, best two centre forwards I've played with ever. Absolutely first class lads. And not only, not only great centre forwards, great lads. You know, and you know, I'm 13 years out now from, from football and I'm still in touch with probably nine, nine or ten of the Brentford lads that I, I played with. So that goes to show that how close you are. And obviously Hutch will tell you, you know, we've got a Brentford Legends team that we still all get together. We didn't do it last year, but we got together last the year before and the year before that. And we just pick up from where we left off. So, you know, for me scoring goals, I would have loved to have scored a lot more goals because I love the glory. But um, I, I take great pleasure in setting up people like Lord Owusu, Ben Burgess, Paul Evans and all the other guys, you know, and that was my job. And, you know, when we walk off, then boys would come to me and thank me, so, which, was, which was great. Brilliant. Um, another in the catalogue of Brentford 
final failures was um, a, a, um, a Leyland Daff final against Port Vale. Um, can you can you talk us through the the, the Leyland Daff run? You know, the, the travel to the final, buying the suits, the build up to the game, and the atmosphere. Because you know, obviously, being in a final with Brentford, no matter what the result, is always going to be a special special occasion, special build up. It was for the club. It was it's fantastic. You know, no one pays no or no one no one gives an arse about the club uh, or until you get to the semi-finals. Then everyone goes, oh, we're doing well. Um, I think it was for us and, and the lads. It, it was great. You know, there was a lot of fringe players that played all the way through. Uh, couple of players like Jay Lovett um, and and Gareth Graham that weren't really getting the team. They played a lot, um, and I felt a little bit disappointed for them at the end because they didn't get to play in the final. Which was, but that's that's the way it is, you know. It, the money started to come into play. Getting the suits was fantastic. Me, Gavin Marn, Paul Evans, and uh, I think, bless him, Martin Rollins. Um, we all, we all went into London. Yeah, we all went into London and giving it the big licks in, in, and getting the suits all sorted out and got on television, which was great for our profile. But um, the the game itself, it was it was such uh, it was a nightmare to be honest with you. Um, I think the first five minutes I went in for a tackle for one of their big centre-ass Brooker, Booker, I think. He gave me a dead leg in the first five minutes and it, I just couldn't shift it. I think I made a sprint up the line and I shanked uh, a crossing perfectly for a corner, which we score from. Um, so that was my setup again. Um, where Dobbo, I think young Dobbo went right back, scored a fantastic header. And then um, second half, I watched the clip the other day, actually, it was on YouTube. I did a stupid back heel. Um, and they broke, but then Gav decided to do something stupid. Uh, I think he slipped or gave the ball away for, for, the, for, the, for their winner. But, you know, it, it was as a team, we came off there strong. It did, you know, we didn't win, but again, it's a, maybe it's still a good day out for the fans. But, you know, collectively, the lads were, were still very, very tight. And uh, we went on from there, I think, really. This was, that, that was the first of two trips to the Millennium Stadium. The, the second one was equally shit. Um, um, but by, by that stage, you'd been sold to Barnsley. We'll, we'll go back to the Barnsley thing, but you were actually still at the Millennium Stadium. You'd been sold, um, but you travelled with Brentford fans. You came to support Brentford, and I, I believe you, you were with Andy Scott, who's back with the club now in a scouting capacity. Um, so... How, how, come, how come you come back? You just couldn't help but cheer the bees on. To be honest, I never wanted to leave. Um, it was uh, one of them, Gibbo, can we have five minutes? And I thought, oh, shit. <coughs> and I thought, right, what, what's he going to say to me now? I'm going to get fined for something. But Steve Copper was magnificent. He sat me down and he said, Gibbo, you've got 18 months to run on your contract. I personally do not want you to leave. He said, you're fantastic for the club. You're great in the change rooms. You're great for the lads. But Nodzi wants to move you on because you're one of the higher earners. You're on £13.50 a week. And, um, plus bonuses, which was a fiver appearance. Um, he said, we're going to have to move you on. Um, he said, I don't want you to go. And I thought, right, OK. And we had a game on the Tuesday night. Aja was suspended um, for probably being fined or being late again, one of the two. Um, so I play. <laughs> the beauty of it was, Barnsley came down to watch Aja. Because Iger was having a fantastic season. I couldn't move him, the shit. I couldn't move him at a left back. He was, doing, he was playing so well. So I was itching to get that game. When he got suspended, I get in. Got my chance. And um, I played an absolute blinder that night. And they took me instead of Iger. Which, to be fair, was probably the worst decision of my life. 
Um, for many reasons, um, I, I, for the first time in my life, I took a decision for a financial reason, and, and that was probably my worst decision. Cops actually said to me, I'm not going to be here in 18 months. He said, you're here for 18 months, I'm not going to be here. So I thought, right, okay, that's him telling me, you know, take, take the move if you can. So I took the move, and it was, I was 31, and I thought, right, this is going to have to be a bit of a selfish move here. I, I took a move, and I doubled my money, and I gambled on my contract with Barnsley. They, I signed a premiership contract. So if we would have stayed in the, if we would have got promoted, I, was, I moved up to the, to the championship. So I was with League One with you guys, uh, and I, I went to play in the championship. And they were, the, those nine or ten games were the easiest games I've played in my entire career. Because people stand off you. They let you have the ball. In League, well, was a League One, you, you know, you literally, you've got studs in your face. You know, it's, it's a completely type of different football. And I, I, I loved it until I played Sean Wright Phillips at Man City. That was a different story, but um, so I gambled on my I gambled on my career or, or on my on my contract and it, and it didn't work out. It was a nightmare, and I decided my time. I tell you, one of my best game was at Barnsley is when Brentford came up to Barnsley. I got cheered by the Brentford fans and I got booed by the Barnsley fans. Um, the the the, the next the next Chris the next question is a, fe a festive question. Is um. Is some um, Helen Chamberlain still on your Christmas card list? I've got a pair of her knickers here if you want them. <laughs> I brought them just in case. <laughs> no, yes, she is. Me and obviously. <laughs> me, and, me and Helen. Um, I, do you know what? The beauty of it is I'm, I'm my, my Norwich career. I was at Norwich for, for six years as a kid. And, I, I, and it says, flown the nest. Paul Gibbs more famous for dating Helen Chamberlain than football. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. <laughs> um, so I mean, as you, you just touched on it, like predominantly you were a left back, but you, but you were you were moved to left midfield because of Ija. You know, how how did you feel about moving forward? You know, you, or, did you ever consider yourself as a left winger? I started my career as a left as a left winger, um, and then the system changed to kind of a far a three five two. So wing back, I always remember my my manager uh, Mick Buxton when I was at Scunthorpe. He said to me, Gibbo, he said. You're a shit left winger, you're a shit left back, let's stick you in the middle. And that was my position. I wasn't great at defending, I wasn't fantastic as an out and out winger, but I had the energy to go backwards and forwards. So um, I, found, I found my position and um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. But with Arja behind me it was great because he was just a loopy nutter. So anyone that got past me, I knew Arja would either bite them or, or, or tackle them. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and we, we had a good connection, but then I had to fight Stephen Hunt. So there was me, Ija, and Hunty all fighting for the same position. I don't know, you know, too many left-sided left teams that, that were that strong, to be fair. Obviously, you've, you know, you've got a lot of great memories from Brentford, and you've got, a, you know, you're, you're a character, you're a big, big personality in the dressing room. Talk us through some crazy away days that you were part of, you know. Obviously, there, 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 were, there was stuff that was happening. What goes on tour stays on tour, but share some stories. I got, who remembers Charlie Oatway? Oh. What a cock. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Charlie had a mutual hatred from when I was at Colchester, when he was at Torquay. I then moved to Torquay. He was there. He then moved to Brentford. And, and I thought, thank fuck for that. 
we hated each other, me and Charlie Oatway. Absolutely hated each other. I, the, the, the day I played Brentford um, and I smashed Lloydie, uh, in the first half, Charlie Oatway lasted 15 minutes and I had him off the pitch. Uh, he got carried off the pitch, which was what I was quite delighted with. But um, one of the best stories was that um, Charlie was down playing a Torquay and I was with Helen at the time. And uh, Charlie came on the phone to me and I was with Brentford. And he said something to me. I went, oh, Charlie, go and fucking do one, will you? Anyway, with that, Darren Powell and Ija and there was, oh, I can't remember, the other, another guy. On a Monday, they came to me at the training ground and they said, Gibbo, what the fuck have you done? And I was like, what? He said, Charlie has got three guys on the way here now to shoot you. I grew up with Charlie at school, and I can tell you that's probably true. <laughs> and I went, what? <laughs> so, um, uh, Paulie, bless him, had, had stopped the guys and just said, look, let's let the boys sort this out. So I rang Charlie, I said, look, Stop getting your boys to bring guns around. Let's just have a little word ourselves, shall we? Me and you in a corner, and we'll get it sorted out. Luckily for me, because I'm a bit of a pussy, nothing happened of it, and, and it died as death. But, you know, since then, obviously, I've not crossed paths with Charlie. I came out of the game, and, and obviously, Charlie's moved on and done very well for himself. You know, he's, he was involved with Brighton on some fantastic runs and stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I kind of steer clear of him. But I think... <laughs> I think a lot of the stories, you know, that we've had, and, and I come from a later era where, I mean, myself, Gavin Mann, Paul Evans, um, uh, uh, Danny Boxall, we were all real strong characters. And, I mean, we would turn, when we were travelling away, I would turn their bedrooms upside down. You know, I, I remember Darren Powell walking into his room once, I'd got the key first, and I'd taken his bed out and put it in the bath. You know, some stupid things that we used to do. And, and I'd lock my door so we couldn't get in. We had, there's so many stories. I mean, we could be here for three weeks if I carried on talking. But, you know, the lads, the, my team, again, these guys have said it. We all believe that we've got a players. I mean, seven of my team went on to play premiership. So. Yeah, no, it, it was a special team. And I, I think we all could have a round of applause. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's my final question, really. It's like... How do, you, how do you look back at your career as a whole, and Brentford in particular? I think uh, Dan asked me a question earlier. Um, said to me, how do you, what do you think the Brentford fan, fans think of you? Um, and I, I've always said that like, I'm, I'm a grounded kind of guy. I'm from Great Yarmouth. I'm a, little, I'm a little, little town boy. And I was very, very lucky and privileged to play football. I never classed it as, as I was exceptional at anything. It was a job for me. That's all it was. Um, and I knew when I was 32, 33, I'd have to find myself another job because I knew I'd never earn enough out of football. Um, but if I, my last memory is that I, I think I was a fan and a footballer. And I think that's the only way I can, I can class myself. I gave you guys 100%. Game in, game out. And I hope you guys respected that. And if that's all I could do. Well, well I think... I think I think you've heard enough from us. Um, I think there's some questions from the floor now. So uh, who would like to speak to the lovely Claire? <laughs> Question at Gibbo. Uh, I remember, I think it was when you was at Plymouth. You had that bleached blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, 
Did you regret dying it? Do you know what? It was, um, it was Helen's idea. Um, Did you share the hair dye? <laughs> she was blonde downstairs as well, funnily enough. Um, actually, she wasn't. I shaved it off. <laughs> um, I think the one thing that did, it, it, uh, it, with me being with Helen, it, my, my profile escalated massively. So I, I stood out on a pitch, so if I did something shit, I'd stand out. But if I did something good, I'd stand out. So I was gambling on the fact that I'd all do something good. So no, it, 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 pro, it raised my profile massively. Would you ever die again? <laughs> There's fuck all left. <laughs> yeah, question for Hutch. Um, Murray Jones. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck was all that about? I don't know, man. <laughs> Murray Jones is a good player. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? I, I, I will say one thing. Murray Jones is a lovely, lovely guy. That's what I will say. He's an absolute diamond of the person. Um, I was quite young, actually, when he was playing in the first team. And all the youth team players were looking at Murray Jones. Like, we got a chance. <laughs> um, but as an individual, as a person, absolutely lovely guy. And he's still in football today, I think, and he's still doing some great stuff, bringing some of the youth team through, um, youth guides through and stuff like that. So absolutely good guy. To recall, um, I remember you went to Bristol City and you played, you came on loan to Brentford and played for Brentford against Bristol City at Ashton Gate. I think I'm right in that. What was it like um, playing that match against your current employers, but for a team you used to play for, how motivated were you to beat Bristol City? Well, everybody, including uh, the Bristol City chairman, um, advised me not to play in that game. But they hadn't put it in the contract that I couldn't play. So therefore, I was like, I'm playing, because at that moment in time, I'd made my decision that I no longer wanted to be at Bristol. Um, when, I, when I left Brentford, Ron Nodes had come in, and I'd been at Brentford like eight years, including sort of like being for the youth team and stuff like that. And I just felt I just needed to, uh, a change. We'd got relegated that season. And I really and, Br- and Bristol City had gone to the championship. So I was like, you know, I've got to give it for, for myself. I, from a football point of view, I've got to give it a go. But as soon as I got there, I just thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Um, and playing in that game, it was like, you know, it was, it, for me, it was just a personal thing of I was a Brentford player. And, you know, that is the only team that I wanted to play for. You know, and everybody said, Carl, don't play. Even the Brentford manager asked me at the time, um, Ray Lewerton and that, you sure you want to play in this game? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, just put me in, put me in. So, um, so yeah, that was it. So there was only one team that, you know, for me, I was leaving Br- Bristol City. I wasn't, wasn't interested. I just wanted to play for Brentford. A little bit generic, but for all three, yeah? best player you played against? For me, I mentioned him earlier, is um, Sean Wright Phillips when he was at Man City under Kevin Keegan. Um, we were, I was at Barnsley and uh, we were live on Sky and that, I think it was my fourth game and uh, they were absolutely romping the, the championship at the time and uh, I, absolutely, I nailed him for 70 minutes and the next 20 minutes he told me another arsehole. <laughs> we were 1-1 and we lost 5-1 and he set up three of them. So that was it. Um, for me, I think it was... I played against a lot of good players but I think Georgie Conclassi um, for Man City, who for me was probably one of the most underrated players because in today's game he would have been worth 100 million quid. He was unbelievable. 
not not throwing names in, Bobby Moore. Uh, Bobby Moore. Uh, Bobby Moore, England World Cup Championship win champion at 47, was the best player I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, you're like this at 47, what we'd like at 26. Then a generic question to all three. Uh, what is your favourite Brentford game? Oh, I, 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 let, let, let's, let's get corny. It's every game that I played. Let, I mean, to be honest, because... Well, where, well, the, well, I said it. I scored two goals. I mean, that's crazy that I scored two goals in one game. Um, no, I've, there's, there's loads of games. Every game has a different meaning for me. You know, I, I love the games where we were shit. I love the games where I was poor because then I'd leave the next game and go, that ain't happening again. And I'm going to make myself better on the next one. And then I didn't. And then I'd go again. You know, it's, every, every game had a different meaning to me, but... If, if I contributed towards a game and towards three points, then that made me happy, you know. But playing with some of the lads, you know, and, and contributing to doing what we needed to do to get you guys happy, you know, and get you jumping and down and screaming around the pitch, that's what it was all about. So I could say the same as Gibbo, <laughs> but I won't. Because <laughs> I think... Um, no, I, I agree with Gibbo. For me, I think playing... When I look back in my whole football career, Brentford for me is like, you know, that's where it all kind of like began. I still, even today, spoke to a couple of players um, that I'm still in contact with um, just solely through Brentford. So it's more than just playing football. It's like, you know, it's like just a community of, of good lads that we kind of grew up with. But if we look at individual games, then I suppose if we look at the playoffs for me, with um, Bristol City, when we went to Wembley, ended up losing with Crew. So Wembley was a big game, but that we, you know, it's not, it weren't an enjoyable, enjoyable time. But certainly the Bristol City, the playoffs games, where we were actually uh, the underdogs, actually in them games. Bristol City were actually romping with the lead; they were doing really well. And we turned up. Barry Ashby was injured. I got to play centre half. They had Sean Gota who was scoring goals for fun that season. And I remember Webby, yeah, feed the goat and he will score. That was the, uh, that was the, and I remember Webby saying, right, Hutch, he's yours. And I looked at him and I went, oh my God, shit. <laughs> but in the two games, you know, he didn't score or, you know, we, 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 we baits him in him. We, we just done our job and we ended up getting to Wembley. So them, them two games stick out in my mind um, as well as, making my debut and all the other stuff that great, great times I had at Brentford? Uh, I think probably um, the Man City game, the Oldham, uh, not Oldham, Blackburn game were fantastic games for us in a cup run, you know, um, because I thought we had a good team and if we had, to, in today's football, in today's football, we'd have, we'd have gone a lot further because we had a couple of injuries and it killed us. But I'd probably like the Man City game because I knew we were going to beat them. I knew we were going to beat them before we, play, before we played them. We're talking about the playoffs here and, and, and one of my first memories of watching Brentford play, unfortunately, was losing to Tranmere Ravens in the playoffs. How on earth did we not win that game? And, 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 and I look back... I'm not, not blaming you personally. Please. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you personally because... You mentioned we had a brilliant team. We, we did have a very good team around that era, you know, with Blissett, 
I'm not sure if Halsworth played in that game. Because he did, yeah, he did. My yeah. memory was a bit. But you know, we had we had a very very good team. We, how many playoffs has Brentford lost now, and when will we win the next one to get into the Premiership? I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. The reason we didn't win because Phil Holder. <laughs> you know, I've, you know, you know, there's, you know, if anyone sort of like no uh, football, like spoke about Brentford or whatever, he had no respect for me. I had no respect for him. I thought he was a poor manager, and that's the reason why we lost. Uh, well, because when you kick a ball. When you tell centre halves to head the ball from one half to the other and boot the ball in the other end, it's rubbish. It's fo rubbish football. And I just direct football, you mean basically? He played, yeah. he played long ball. Yeah, he played. He played direct football, and we and we had better players than that, and we played into their hands. We had good footballers who could play, and he was like boot the ball long, get it, blah blah blah, and we played against Tranmere, and we had better players than Tranmere, and we lost. Hello, Th thank you for your incredible insights. L I don't know if you have got 18-year-old boys or, or, or if you've got boys coming up, but let's say you have, each of you has an 18-year-old son and they get an offer from Fulham, Brentford and Chelsea, who would you advise them to join in this day and age? <laughs> right, um, if I, to be honest, um, you know, I coached at Millwall, and I was like, well, I would not, I want my son to play somewhere where he's going to be coached properly, because coaching is a hard thing today, because, you know, all the clubs want to like, oh, we, we want to win, 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 and no one actually coaches footballers anymore. We don't, we don't coach kids in the way they need to be coached today, you know, our, our left back is like, oh, good are you going forward? It's, which is rubbish. It's like, do the basic thing. Can you defend first? If you can't defend first, then you've got no chance. You don't have a chance, do you? You know, so... Um, what club? What club? I would, I would, I would, I would tell my, I would tell my son to go to a club, I would tell my son to go to a club that teaches you to do the right things. Which one out of them three? I don't, well... Well, Fulham, Fulham, Brentford, Chelsea. Brentford, Fulham, Chelsea. No, not Chelsea. Yes. Without a doubt, not Chelsea. So I'd, I'd go, right, who's best? Who's you're the treading, best? You're treading on, on, on dodgy ground now. Just say the bloody Who? Who is? I would say to my son, who's the best at teaching how to defend? Who is? Who is? If it was Brentford. If it was Brentford, I'd say, go to Brentford. But, 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 if it wasn't, I'd say, go to Fulham. In fact, it's, I, my loyalty's with Brentford. But I'd want my son to be taught the right way. I'm sorry. Okay, um... Good question, because <laughs> I've got two sons who are just approaching that uh, age, and both of them play football. But unfortunately, they can't join Brentford now, because, it, because there's no academy anymore. What? So, 
in that case, we've only got Fulham or Chelsea to choose from. Don't go to Chelsea. Now, but what I will say, if Brentford did have academy, I would definitely be sending them there, first and foremost. Um, what else? Chelsea, Fulham. I won't make a choice from them two. Okay, if, if actually no, if I was going to make a choice from them two, then I'd probably say Chelsea, because knowing um, the one of the one of the, the guy that runs Chelsea, Neil Bath, was my youth team or one of the youth team coaches at Brentford, and he for me is probably one of the most forward-thinking uh, minds in the game in the whole of Europe. So I would say um, definitely Chelsea, most definitely, yeah. Neil Bath is amazing. I, I, let's be honest, you know, I, if my, my son play, I coach my under, my son's under 14s team, um, and I would want my son to play at the highest possible standard he possibly could at, and train with the best possible players that he could. I, I think we're all we're, we're sitting here, and, and, and we're delighted to be sat here. But would I be delighted to be sit, uh, sitting here saying that I was a Chelsea legend? Of course I would. You know, let's got to be honest. I would love my son to go and play for Chelsea or whatever. But then the day is where he's happy. And how much me, as an agent, obviously could get for him. Uh, Richie, when, when you're at Falkirk, there's a story about you and Jim Jeffries at half-time. Did you hit him back? Get it all wrong. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a, I'm a very furry character. I was like, I would not take nothing from anyone. I'm not, that's the way I was. That's the way I was brought up. Um, we, we, was in a, we was in a cup final, it was crap. He went for me, I went for him, and it, it was just like, basically, that was it. That's it, huh? <laughs> well, 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 there was no winner because everyone jumped him, you know, and, you know. Look, 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 Jim Jeffries, I'm not gonna lie to you, coaching-wise, useless. Man management, man management wise, fantastic. He did things what men could do. He didn't, he didn't go like blah blah blah. If he, if he had to say, he said it to you straight in your face, and I, I respected him for that. They did say you had a great second half. We did, yeah, because, <laughs> like, like he said to me, he said, he, he's, he's, as he said in many of interviews, like I knew if I went for it today, he'd react. Now we had players in the team. If he went for them, they wouldn't react. And he went for me, and I reacted. And yeah, he was right. I went out the second half. I scored, was it? I scored straight away, blah, blah, blah. Because I was like, Jim, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the way. But that's good man management, you know? So I can't complain because I've, I've still got the medal in my cabinet at the moment. I'm like, <laughs> so I can't complain. <laughs> Is that the, the, B, the B&Q Cup final? The, that we came up to is that the one me and Laney came up to the B&Q Cup final at Motherwell or something it was raining and freezing and the coldest day that I've ever known in my whole of my life yeah yeah he won the B&Q Cup final and we won the league that year yeah and the following year they, they went on to sort of like get into the European Championship I left I went to Millwall but that's what he did he was he was a good man management I know and I know a lot of you are going to go oh David Webb blah 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 but David Booth was a good band management. Because Richard, I've got to ask you. Just quick question. I was up there 
in 89 with my sister. We were on the Anfield end. Yeah. I, could see, I can still see exactly in my mind Andy Sinton putting that ball through. Yeah. You running onto it. Grobelar coming out. And the ball going to the right side and trickling past the post. What did you feel at that moment? Did you feel that that moment was your greatest moment gone? Yes. The mic's not the, the mic's not working. <laughs> yes, obviously, yes. Um, because I've been in that position a million times and I've scored goals. And um like it went, yeah, yeah, it could it would have changed the game and yeah, we'd have lost five one. <laughs> yes, obviously. Um yes. Um I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I was a centre forward, and I, I, I lived on, I lived on goals, and yes, and it's gone through my mind a million times, and I should, and I should have gone like, ah, oh, oh shit. I'm back up. <laughs> No, no, no. No. Yeah. I wish I went down like that. Yeah. No, I should have scored, but that's life. It's football. Guys, sorry, before he, Laney sends you all to the bar, I'd just like to say um, if we could give Billy and Laney a massive round of applause because, you know. For, for, for putting on a night like tonight. But, you know, with these guys here, they've made, like, you know, I've been at, since it's been, what, 23, 24 years since I was standing on the terraces at Brentford. But um, I remember going to Peterborough, you know, with these guys. I remember Billy calling me up, going over to the World Cup with Jamaica and, you know, these guys and going all around as a fan, as a football fan, and like, you know, that's why you guys are all here tonight, um, because these guys have, you know, took time out of their lives, they've both got kids and, and, and stuff, so um, I'd just like to, I'd just like to say thank you very much, guys, brilliant. That's, that's very kind, very kind indeed. So, we are, we are good. Stand up, stand up, stand up, every woman, every man. Join the caravan of love. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Surreal moments, these surreal moments. So go and get yourself another fucking drink. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.